A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 111, we discuss our no-holds-back analysis of Turner's Champions League coverage, how soon it'll be before you can subscribe directly to your favorite soccer league, which new sports league had more viewers on their opening day than MLS has had in 23 years, the Premier League heads to the USA to sign their next CEO, plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Now, for those listeners who are tuning in for the first time, or if you're interested in the history of World Soccer Talk and this podcast, um, I launched the website in 2005 with the goal of making it easier to find out how, when, and where to watch soccer on US TV, online, and apps. In 2006, this podcast launched... And 13 years later, uh, we're still continuing to focus on answering questions from people like you, soccer fans, and getting all the information out there on how best to enjoy the beautiful game on TV or online. Kartik, uh, what's new with you? Well, uh, it was a good weekend of soccer watching, Premier League, Bundesliga, Championship, Serie A were the leagues I focused on, and obviously the, uh, the Madrid Derby as well. Uh, but I think everything has been kind of obscured by Champions League, not just the results, uh, but also the coverage here in the States. Yeah, well, let's start there. Um, really, I mean, to me, what the heck is going on with TNT? Uh, it's, it's been amateur hour this week for TNT's Champions League coverage, with their pregame show sinking to a new low, lacking any consistency, uh, featuring a catalog of mistakes, and being, being criticized on social media by a lot of soccer fans as, as unwatchable. For whatever reason, um, Stu Holden was better this week uh, when he was acting as the host uh, rather than Kate. And Kate really had a really off week. I mean, so many mistakes, Kartik. Uh, probably her worst appearance, I mean, actually Tuesday and Wednesday was pretty bad both days, but probably one of her worst appearances on U.S. television that I can remember. Usually she's very competent, and very focused, but I, I don't know if it was lack of sleep um, or what it was, but just so many mistakes. It was really, it was at, at times um, embarrassing. Did you catch any of the, the mistakes, Kartik? I, ca- I caught m- much of it. I mean, there was so, there's such a catalog of things, uh, mistakes, and 
funkiness and uh, just odd, odd conversations, odd features that it was too much to catalog. About Kate Abdo, I wonder if um, she's been a standout performer or a decent performer on a bad team, that being Fox and now uh, Turner to a certain extent. So we have overrated her as a pundit uh, or as a as a presenter. You, you think about what would happen. I mean, you could you could throw the other scenario. I mean, I think it's just the best presenter in in U.S. television uh, on the soccer side is Rebecca, right? What would happen if you threw her on the Fox set or you threw Robbie Musto, who may be the best uh, analyst, on the Fox set? Would they would they regress to the mean of Fox's uh, Fox's other talent and Fox's presentation, or would they elevate the? broadcast. What we're seeing with Kate Abdo is going to another network from Fox. She's not really able to elevate um, the broadcast. Maybe we, we've had a favorable opinion of her at Fox because we've compared her to uh, to Rob Stone. Now, I have to think he enjoyed does as good a job, if not better, of presenting than she does, than Kate Abdo. But uh, I'm not her biggest fan. This week, I think, revealed a lot of the reasons why I'm not her biggest fan. I think there's mm-hmm. uh, too much clunkiness, a lot of... Uh, 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 lightheartedness and also uh, and, and maybe this is the fault of Turner her as a presenter but clunky transitions uh, asking the wrong questions uh, pretty much like the kind of questions I used to complain about Rob Stone asking on, on Fox uh, Champions League game uh, Champions League pregames and, and uh, US and MLS pregames and just uh, uh, mistakes on air errors the sort of things that um, seem like she wasn't as well prepared as she has been in the past or that you would expect her to be. Now, um, flip side, uh, Chris, and I, and I said this actually, during I, the group stage. Okay, actually, Kasi, let me play a clip first for those listeners who might have missed some of the pregame coverage of the Champions League this week. And this, and this is just one example. I had a few to, to choose from as far as uh, flubs, uh, but let's go ahead and play uh, the clip uh, the clip of the week with uh, Kate Abdo. And this is on Wednesday. In an absolute standout fixture of this round, arguably always looked like the hardest one to call of all eight ties. Ajax is a young side, talented side as well. They impressed her in, is about to get a whole lot tougher. I keep thinking I'm throwing to a VT. Am I not throwing to a VT? No, we're just going to talk. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about it then. Edgar, you're an Ajax legend. Um, what is, what is your take on this game? You are, currently. Yeah. <laughs> What's your take on this game? Do you think it's that tough a one to call? Holy hell. Yeah, for them, for sure. Yeah, and this was on, on live television on Wednesday. This was when, within the first five minutes of the broadcast, uh, which had already opened up with a really weird joke about coffee. It was kind of an inside joke. Really awkward, extremely awkward television. You can hear the nervous laughter among the, the analysts. Um, Tuesday wasn't as bad as far as the opening, but even Tuesday's opening was very strange and kind of very did not feel very. It did not bring you in as a viewer to 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 the broadcast, and it it just. I don't know what's going on, Kartik. It just seems to be. I don't know if it's if it's lack of uh, preparation, lack of, a poor production, poor communication, uh, nerves, lack of sleep, or maybe just that these guys haven't done a broadcast in in two months since the last Champions League broadcast. But uh, Tuesday, I thought was so bad. Wednesday was even worse. I mean, if this is this is going to the level of even worse than Fox Sports, and that's saying something. At least with Fox Sports, at least it was smooth and kind of had a flow to it. The analysis was really kind of really substandard. The analysis actually on on TNT is pretty good at part in parts. Stu Holden's decent. Uh, Tim Howard has some decent uh, remarks. 
Edgar Davids is, is a whole other story. I, I, I don't know what happened to him. He was pretty good, I think, in the beginning of the season in September when he came on. Um, but he was awful, absolutely horrible, where they would ask him a question or, or would mention his name and there'd be an awkward pause waiting for him to carry on the conversation or talk and he wouldn't say anything. I, it was horrible television. Um, and thank God at the end of the day, at least they're using the world feed for the actual commentators because I, I don't know how much worse this can get, Kartik. Yeah, so a couple I think one, the two studio experiment is is a real hindrance to everything they do. I think Stu Holden has grown into a role as a potential presenter or as someone who can uh, carry the show and, and and help handle the other talent around him. Uh, I agree, Tim Howard. I like Tim Howard. I think his analysis is solid. I think Steve Nash actually had uh, a pretty good week. He's more uh, he, he's more comfortable when Spurs play, right? And obviously excited about the results. So he gave some some pretty good analysis. And and the the longer Spurs go on to the tournament, Nash has an insight into them that um, others don't necessarily have. Uh, but you know, Edgar Davies, I agree. I think some of the features were misplaced. Um, I liked what they did before PSG versus um, uh, versus United. Man United right. with the tactical, yeah, with the tactical board uh, with Carlos Bocanegra, but there wasn't enough of that. Um, I thought Marisa Du made some solid points at times, but again, you know, and their analysis is better than Fox's. There's no question about it. But what we saw with production, and, and smoothness with Fox over time, getting better. Fox, as much as we criticize Fox, there is no question it's better now than they were five years ago in all of their soccer coverage. Uh, Turner, you see just you know, these ups and downs. Uh, you know, first couple weeks of the group stage, terrible. First few match days, then, then the next set, better. Then you know, some highs and lows uh, as, as you went from, uh, from September to December. And now uh, a low as you get to the group stage. So there's no consistency in their, their broadcast. And the fact that we're in February, Crystal, every time we, we, we come off of a Champions League match day, we're talking about – we're curiously turning on TNT to, to find out what we're going to see – and analyze it so that we don't have our expectations are we don't know what we're going to see with consistency. There's no kind of rhyme or rhythm to what they do. And that from a broadcast perspective, I think is a problem and something they really need to aim to fix. Even if it doesn't satisfy all of our personal preferences or all the personal preferences of our listeners, just have consistency in how they do things. Yeah, I did like the um, they had the segment about uh, Ajax and how they adopted a Bob Marley song as their anthem, uh, and as well as I, I enjoyed the segment with uh, Fernando Perez about uh, uh, get, getting the tattoo uh, in uh, in Rome on on the Tuesday broadcast. Uh, Stu still has some really good deep dive analysis. You can tell that he really gets into that. Uh, Tim Howard on Wednesday when when he's on form and giving some good analysis, he, he he's he's good. That's about it. That, that's all the positives I can say from the broadcast. I mean, to me, I agree with you, Kartik. They need to get rid of this, this whole two-studio studio thing. It does not work at all. Um, really, on Wednesday, you could have had Stu Holden, Steve Nash, and Tim Howard in the LA studio and said, okay, that's it. We're just going with you guys. Thank you, Atlanta. It's been fun. It's been a fun experiment, but it's not working. They're, it's just the, the back and forth between the studios – Sometimes a question's asked where it looks like it's going to be someone in Atlanta that answers it, but then Stu Holden jumps on the on the question and answers it in in uh, in Los Angeles, and then you have a shot of Marisa Du kind of just looking there like, "Hey guys, that was my question. I was supposed to answer that." Really awkward, but but to me, 
they also have to figure out too whether it's Kate Abdo or Stu Holden that's that's leading the show, that's presenting the show. Uh, so far, it's been they kind of take turns, and and that that, that hasn't worked either. Um, it's and, and also I guess the other thing too, Kartik. Uh, lastly, as far as some of the criticism of TNT is stop trying to be funny. It, it doesn't work. I mean, a lot of these jokes come off really awkward, and it seems like inside jokes. And the, on set, they're laughing, but us for the viewer, I'm not laughing. I don't know about you, Kartik, but I'm not laughing at all. The, the sad thing about all of this is that um, I had high hopes for TNT, especially in kind of August, September when they first launched. And it seemed to have – it was a, what I called a breath of fresh air. It was so different. It was so encouraging. And actually, I was planning on writing an article for the last – since I think about September, October. I've been planning to write an article about how TNT is really kind of taking a different uh, twist on soccer and is a breath of fresh air and going into more detail about some of the things that they're doing. Every time I get ready to write that article – then the coverage happens, and the coverage is worse than it was before. And I've given up on writing that article because it's just, it's just all over the place. Absolutely a disaster. And, and a lot of people on social media, some of the feedback we've gotten on Tuesday and Wednesday is that they've given up on, on watching the pregame show. They've gone ahead and now they're watching Netflix or they're doing something else, and they tune in for the, the match broadcast, which is exactly what happened with Fox Sports. People didn't watch the pregame, except for, except for me. I don't to, uh, get tortured watching that thing. Um, and then they just tuned in for the match broadcast. And I, and I think that's where we're at now with, uh, with TNT. Yeah, I think the the difference though is it was kind of this smug condescension that came from the Fox pregame show uh, that I didn't like. Uh, maybe it's just my attitude towards um, uh, the way they presented Turner. I'm still still curious and interested in what might be said on that pregame show. However, again, Chris, I go back to my my overriding point, which is the lack of consistency and the lack of rhyme and reason, which is what has got us to this point where you don't know what to expect. So part of it, I will admit, is curiosity, right? right. What's going to go on on this yeah. pregame? I better still watch it. The Ajax feature was good. I, I agree with that. I think Fernando Perez uh, had a very good week. That was one guy that uh, that stood out for me. And, and, and uh, obviously uh, getting De Rossi, an interview with De Rossi after the Roma match, uh, I thought was a pretty good coup. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for Turner and, and uh, didn't realize he spoke such good English. So uh, I've never actually seen an interview with him in English. So that was that was good. Uh, so they, 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 they are doing some things that Fox didn't do, although at times Fox would send Keith Costigan, right? Uh, or just take a Jeff Shreve Sky interview when they were sister channels with Sky, which obviously they aren't anymore. Now NBC is. But uh, – that was that was a positive. So I do want to I do want to point out that uh, particularly uh, the, the the Roma work uh, from Fernando Perez. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so other than uh, the Champions League um, this past weekend, again, my kids are playing travel soccer. Uh, so it just kind of really kind of taken up most of my day on the Saturday and Sunday. Didn't get to watch as much soccer as I usually do. Um, I've watched the the full Man United game, Liverpool Bournemouth. Um, also, Real Betis against Valencia in the Copa del Rey semi-final first leg. Uh, Wolves against Newcastle on Monday. And uh, other than the pitch side studio from the Etihad uh, for the Sunday morning broadcast on, on the Premier League on NBCSN, uh, nothing really jumps out. But what about you, Kartik? What, what, what else did you see that uh, jumped out at you? Uh, well, yeah, same things as you. I, I would say the thing that's standing out the more, more and more to me is the uh, increased... Uh, uh, tr- and, and by the way, Sassuolo, uh, Juventus, I'll be curious to see the rating because I, I know some people who watched that game because it was on ESPN and it was at a decent time. Uh, more and more 
uh, FS2 for the Bundesliga on Fox. More and more big games being bumped to FS2. We've complained about it for now. This is the fourth year that they've had rights. Uh, one time uh, they were pressured partly by what, what we did on this site uh, to move a game to FX, which was a Dortmund-Bayern uh, match one year. But uh, they are... Uh, putting more and more on FS2, uh, less and less on FS1, and uh, seem to be winding down their time with the Bundesliga without much, uh, without much effort. And that's uh, disappointing, particularly given Fox's emphasis on American soccer and Fox's emphasis on promoting anything U.S. men's national team and the number of U.S. men's national team players that are now drifting from FS1. FS2, therefore disenfranchising 30 or 40 million people who get FS1 and don't get FS2. So that's a programming note for Fox. I know that they're not going to want to hear this. I, I don't know if they listen to the show. We we tend to say a lot about them, but uh, I, I'm getting more and more annoyed with that. And I, I get FS2, so it's okay for me, but I know less and less people that are seeing uh, American players in the Bundesliga because of this. Yeah, it's interesting too, because uh, in previous years, we've had a lot, a lot more Bundesliga games on the Big Fox, over the Air Fox. This season, I think there's been one. I think maybe one. And, and usually, yeah. I think fe- usually February, March, then we have a few, which always seem to be kind of at random, just like these big games where it's like, wow, okay. I guess uh, Frankfurt against, uh, I don't know, uh, Augs- Augsburg or something like that. I guess, I, guess, I guess we'll watch that on Big Fox. That, that, that's kind of cool. Um, this season, we haven't seen much of that. And it seems to be last season was a little bit less than the, the season before, too. Um, looking at the schedule, Kartik, for Friday in the Bundesliga, uh, the Bayern Munich game on Friday afternoon is on FS2, so, which goes along with what you said. On FS1 at that same time, they have NASCAR. So that that's that's the reason why, and probably maybe it's a big big NASCAR weekend, and maybe that's why uh, it's that time of the year where NASCAR always seems to get, to get uh, that top top slot there, FS1, and everything else gets on FS2. But uh, but yeah, not not a good look for Fox Sports or or the Bundesliga, unfortunately. So Kartik, uh, let's move on to the next segment, which is TV streaming news, and uh, I'll have you kick it off. Yeah, big news this week with uh, the Premier League. The reports that have come out that the Premier League is considering launching a streaming service and had already thought about doing it in Singapore uh, at this point. But this would be for the next right cycle would start in 20 uh, doing the math here, 2022. Uh, Ex-Palace owner Simon told TalkSport, uh, quote, Premier League uh, football should be on should be Premier League should be the Netflix of football. Hundred million subscribers at eight quid is 10 billion. What an opportunity, young quote. To translate this into uh, U.S. dollars, that's $10 a month uh, for 12 months a year equals $12.3 billion in revenue. Um, my thoughts uh, on this, and I know you have some thoughts on this, Chris, also, is this is coming. The Prem, I understand, and I, I think it's now been reported, it actually considered launching this for the 19, uh, 2019 to 2022 right cycle in some markets. It was, uh, including Singapore, I mentioned Singapore, but in some other places as well. Uh, it, it was you know, premature. They didn't have the technology down. But now they've got three years to work on it. I think this is coming. Now, for the sake of us in the U.S., I hope, because NBC has been such a great partner of uh, the Premier League and, and really elevated that, uh, that league in this country, that they stick with NBC. But if they don't stick with NBC, they might, you might very well see uh, all of the Premier League behind the paywall. 
Yeah, this is, this is a huge development, Kartik. Um, Timing-wise, it's interesting because last week we had the news about UEFA TV, UEFA announcing that uh, they, at some point, I think after 2023, will look at uh, having a, a direct streaming service for uh, those countries outside of North America and outside of Europe, where if you're living in Nigeria or Australia or I mean, Japan or it, India, where, wherever, you can subscribe to watch UEFA TV and watch all of the Champions League games that way. Uh, cutting out the middlemen, which are the agencies out there. There's, uh, there's uh, TV rights agencies that handle the TV rights market, as well as the actual broadcasters. So whether it's uh, in Asia, ESPN or Fox in, in, uh, in Australasia, etc., etc., and UEFA TV looking at also acquiring other rights that are non-UEFA rights. So with UEFA TV, you have uh, you can subscribe to the Champions League, and maybe your local your, your local league from whichever country you live in. Now the Premier League, this this is yeah, it, this is smart thinking in terms of I mean Simon Jordan, like you said, Kartik doing the math and coming up with a number of twelve point three billion dollars a year, which is much more than the TV revenue worldwide. And um, for 10 bucks a month, you mean to have access to all the Premier League matches, um, I think most, most subscribers would go for that and say, hey, yeah, I, I would love to do that. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a good deal. I'm, I'm willing to pay that, much, uh, that, that amount of money to have access to everything. And that, again, cuts out the middlemen, cuts out the, uh, the broadcasters, and puts more money in, in the uh, pockets of the Premier League and the Premier League clubs. Now, the challenge with this is, is illegal streaming. That is the one thing that's probably holding back the Premier League and other leagues from around the world. Because if you set up this type of operation, and then meanwhile, 40 to 60% of the people are actually streaming the games illegally, then that kills the entire uh, business model, really. And I think we've seen just in the last few weeks, in terms of the technology and in terms of uh, working with uh, law enforcement and, and diff- different uh, government regulations, uh, being able, uh, Premier League and other broadcasters trying to shut down a lot of these illegal streaming sites, and they've been effective. It's working better now than it has in the past. This this is huge. This 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 blows everything wide open. Um, we're going to get there uh, at some point, Kartik. This is, this is going to happen. This is going to be one of those yeah. things that you, mean, you subscribe to whatever you want to watch. And it's, it's, it's like cord cutting. If you want to subscribe to watch the Bundesliga, uh, you can do that today through Fox Soccer Match Pass and have access to every single game, uh, as well as Bundesliga 2. Uh, but, but this is moving it forward into much even greater, bigger, bigger leagues that are going to have bigger ramifications. So then what happens to NBCSN? What happens to a lot of these sports broadcasters uh, that are looking for rights to acquire, to, to bring in people to view matches? Uh, I'm sure they'll think of something, but it, it's going to be worrying for them. Let me point out one other quick thing, which is that the Premier League is also uh, doing this because the rights, uh, the, the rights fees have, have topped out. They've plateaued. Uh, this right cycle is not that much more lucrative than the last right cycle, which is the one with the big bump uh, for the Premier League. Uh, and the, the incremental growth in, in, in rights fees that television networks, broadcasters are willing to pay for sporting properties has plateaued in general and has for the Premier League in general. Uh, the Premier League's domestic uh, TV deal in the UK is not as – is just – it's not it's not growing in its lucrativeness anymore. It's essentially the same deal that uh, BT and Sky had previously. Now, they made a little more money by selling off that one sub package to Amazon, and it's going to air on Amazon Prime. But uh, what you have 
happening is the Premier League planning for when rights fees uh, don't increase or even decrease from broadcasters because broadcasters are feeling the same pinch from streaming and cord cutting that um, that the leagues are. So uh, this is a, a preemptive move and probably a very smart one financially and just something as fans and as people in the business, we're going to have to accept and deal with. It's, it's not something I'm thrilled with. And I know you're not, Chris, but it's it's happening. As you said, it's, it's coming. I, I'm okay with it, though. I, I, I'm you I mean to me personally. My biggest thing about this is the technology. So the Premier League has had, I mean, very little experience in terms of streaming games. Yes, they have a, a world class website that's uh, in the last few years quickly grown and improved from what it was, um, say, several years ago. But they really have no experience with that. So, so they, what they need to do is partner with a, a BAM Tech or with a company that has the backbone to uh, be able to stream. You mean? I mean, millions of, of streams worldwide without the whole, the whole thing crashing down. Um, that's my only concern. That's my biggest concern is making sure that the, the actual technology works. Because uh, if it works, fantastic. It's a smooth experience. People would be willing to subscribe directly to the Premier League to, to get all those games. Uh, what it does do in many ways, Kartik, I guess at the end of the day, though, is in terms of distribution, in terms of uh, trying to attract new viewers into watching, whether it's the Premier League or other leagues, that 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 hurts there. So, for if you're an NBCSN or a, a Fox Sports, you would have a conversation with the Premier League to say, well, I mean, yes, you can do a direct to consumer subscription plan, but for, with us, we've got so many kind of casual viewers. Uh, mainstream viewers that may not know much about the Premier League, that want to get into soccer. So how about we do a game of the week uh, that's going to be, maybe it's delayed by an hour, or maybe it's a live game, but it's once once a week. We, we can, let's work together to find a way to go ahead and, and leverage our distribution and everything that we, our, our marketing muscle and our direct uh, approach to the, to the mainstream through television and as well as streaming, but also try to help you that way. And, and that's my guess, that, that the Premier League should be open to something like that because at the end of the day, we want to have new fans coming into the game, whether it's the Premier League or the Major League Soccer or any other league. We'll, we want to have new fans falling in love with the game and making it as easy as possible then to to dive into the deep end, to get hardcore, become a hardcore uh, soccer fan. or you mean, and, and then that's an issue if it's a... Uh, a direct-to-consumer subscription model that says, okay, 10 bucks a month, sight unseen. All right, Kartik, let's uh, move on to the next news item, and that is that the Premier League is turning to the United States in the hunt for this for the next CEO. So as most of our listeners know, Richard Scudamore, who is the CEO of the Premier League, uh, went, went ahead and, and uh, finished his... Uh, he, he retired at the end of 2018 in December, and uh, the Premier League has been looking for a successor for the last few months. Um, they had one person in the UK that accepted the position, and uh, unfortunately, she she changed her mind. Uh, then they had some other executives in the UK, who were TV executives, and uh, they couldn't convince um, uh, those people to go ahead and accept the position. So they've gone out. They've reached out to the United States to a headhunter firm. I think it's Spencer Stewart. And they are now actively uh, interviewing candidates in the U.S. to find the next CEO. Kartik, when I posted this on, on LinkedIn this week, I was trying to figure out, like, who in the U.S. would be a good person for this? I mean, are there any executives that you can think of, either from the TV industry or from the soccer industry, that might be a good candidate uh, to become the next uh, Premier League CEO? 
What's your thoughts? Uh, Chris, he already went down the TV route with Susanna Dinaj. She accepted the job and then pulled out. And then uh, a name who escapes me, they offered the job to after a VVC uh, executive who, who then turned them down after Dinaj had, had withdrawn from the job that she had accepted uh, at the end of December. In January, they went to this BBC exec. So I'm not sure if they're still looking at television execs from the U.S. Maybe that's uh, that's the play, because if you... Look at sports executives from the United States. This is where I've heard some concerns since the story broke uh, on Tuesday or on Monday that uh, the Premier League, and, and for my liking, and you know, a lot of people say I bash the Premier League too much, but part of the reason why the Premier League to me is less recognizable than it used to be, or that the top flight of English football used to be, even pre uh, Premier League days, is that it's become more and more American and TV driven in the way it's it's executed. And I think the Premier League and Scudamore already looked at the NFL as their model for what they were trying to replicate. And we know from reading the 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 the, the, the amount academic literature now uh, and, and books from what's that have come out uh, in recent years about the formation of the Premier League, that watching the NFL was their, was their inspiration. Uh, and that has had a good effect in terms of promotion and, and revenue for the, for the top clubs. It hasn't necessarily had a great effect for all of English football. People can argue about that with me, but, but that's my feeling. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you take an American executive from an American sports league, which apparently they're intrigued by, you know, bringing in an NBA executive or an NFL executive, uh, someone who's below the commissioner level but is a high-ranking executive, uh, I think you put yourself in a position where you're b- making the league even more uh, of, of an American league with less of the institutions and uh, uh, thoughtfulness that made it so, uh, uh, so British and a great window for, for, for uh, England. Uh, to the rest of the world. That having been said, Chris, I, I think the train has probably left the station. You know, it's it's a marketing juggernaut. Uh, it, it, it's it's something where they wanted, at least from a token standpoint, to keep a British chief executive. Uh, Dinaj, uh, Susanna Dinaj took the job and then she pulled out. And she's from the television industry, right? She uh, she's from uh, uh, that's her background. Uh, uh, Scooter Moore very television maestro also maybe it's just what is happening and the premier league is looking to 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 um to 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 deepen their foothold on global commerce and global uh and and the global market and that means becoming less british as time goes on i i'm a little alarmed by it but i'm also uh, a realist saying that this uh this now to to a lot of people who are in the uk is so us, you know, that the, the Premier League is is becoming more Americanized. To me, it's that they evolved that way. It, it's certainly a more Americanized league than uh, Serie A is or the Bundesliga is. Right. So much more than the Bundesliga. So, yeah. um, I, I think that's that's my takeaway. There's a lot of discussion about this. So, to be continued. Yeah, the, the only two names I can think of that would potentially be a fit for this, and and that's and that's potentially are Ivan Gazidis. Who's South African? Actually, he's yeah, not American, absolutely. but he works. Uh, I think he's, I think he's uh, the chairman of uh, AC Milan right now. Um, who has an uh, experience working at Arsenal, working at Major League Soccer that could be a fit for that? And Don Garber, but Don Garber to me, I see Don Garber as being more successful in terms of sponsorships uh, with with big brands and in terms of uh, expansion. I mean, those, those to me are, are kind of the two things that I can say, okay, he's done a fantastic job on in the U.S. Television, not so much. I, I, I just don't see him being a good fit for that, for that role. 
So then outside of that, then to me, it's complete unknown. I mean, maybe there's a, there's a candidate at, at uh, NBA that has a lot of experience in terms of uh, globally kind of expanding the N- NBA brand uh, through Asia um, and the United States. So maybe, maybe that, that's the way to go. Uh, whoever that person is, I, I do not know. I, I, I don't follow uh, the traditional American sports, so I, I don't know. But um, yeah, this is another one. And we say this often on this podcast, but that'll, this is going to be another interesting one to watch to see what develops. Uh, Chris, I, I think... This uh, name was the first name that came to mind earlier in the week when uh, I, I, I saw the story. But uh, I'm just guessing that they're looking for someone from traditional American sports. So why Ivan Gazidis, I actually think, would do a good job. And Arsenal fans complain about him. You know, they complain about everything, right? Um, I think he's very competent. I think MLS and MLS has had such growth since Gazidis left is because of the framework he left in place. He's a soccer guy. Uh, I, I, think, I think a lot of him. So I think mm-hmm. he would be a very... Uh, inspired choice, but I get the sense that they're not looking at soccer. They're looking at executives from the NBA, NFL, or Major League Baseball. That's the take I yeah. got from it. Yeah. That's why I didn't mention Gazidis when you threw it to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Definitely. All right, TV ratings. Let's move on. Um, so Sassuolo against Juventus. Contact. This is one of the ones you were, uh, you were curious about. This was on, on ESPN2 on Sunday from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, so definitely a good time slot there. Viewing figure was 127,000, which has probably been one of the best ones this season so far. Um, but what's your take on that number, good or bad? I guess that's okay. I, I, it's just that I had strangely talked to more people that had watched that match and had really not watched any Serie A matches this season and only seen Juventus in the Champions League. So I assumed the number was a little higher, but it's not as high as maybe it could have been at that time. Of course, it overlapped with Chelsea and, and Manchester City that got a, a monster rating on, uh, on NBCSN. Yeah, so that uh, Man City-Chelsea game was 1.08 million uh, on NBCSN and Telemundo on Sunday. Um, that, that was the biggest uh, Premier League number from the weekend. Uh, then in uh, Liga Mekis or Liga Max, you had uh, Nicaxa against Chivas had 1.16 million. And then Club America against uh, Club Lyon had 1.15 million. Um, so both of those uh, Liga MX games were the biggest, uh, most watched games from the weekend. Another interesting number, Kartik, for me was uh, Athletic, uh, uh, Bilbao against Barcelona. And it's rare that we get to see what the viewing figures are for La Liga with the sports no longer on Comcast or DirecTV. But this one, Athletic against Barcelona on Bean Sports English channel, had 132,000 viewers. And usually on the Spanish side, we don't have those numbers, but usually it's, about, it's more than double the English language side. So we're probably looking at about 400 to 450,000 people that tuned in to watch Athletic against uh, Barcelona across the, both of the Bean Sports channels, which is a great number considering the lack of distribution across most of the major uh, US TV providers. One more thing, Kartik, just to throw out there too, is that uh, I'm not sure if you know about the Alliance. I didn't know anything about them until I think uh, Wednesday, but it's a brand new American football league that just launched and it's meant to be a spring league. So from as soon as the Super Bowl is over, it starts back up again. And this is a league with with teams from around the United States uh, that has no connection to NFL. But uh, they launched on Saturday on CBS in prime time Saturday night and had uh, 3.2 million viewers tuned in to that. And the reason I mention it, too, is because in many ways, it's it's a competition, I believe, to Major League Soccer. Here you have 
Fox opening weekend of Major League Soccer season, March 2nd. I think they have a couple of games on primetime on Fox on a Saturday night. And you're up against um, potentially against this new American Football League. So it's, to me, it's the last thing that MLS uh, could want is competition from a traditional American sports uh, for viewership. But I guess we'll have to wait and see um, how that plays out. Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, on the alliance, uh, I talked to some people. Again, I didn't follow it. I didn't know it was launching. It, it caught me off guard. But uh, the attendances were underwhelming, but the television ratings were much higher than expected. So this is, again, I think just the direction sports are going. Uh, MLS has been very focused on attendance, right, and ticket revenue. Uh, this new, Who knows if this new Alliance of American Football uh, survives? But uh, they already seem to have the model where, okay, ticket revenue, it, it's, it's important, right, Sponsor, but sponsorship revenue and television revenue is more important. And uh, their television number is what people are talking about. They're not talking about the underwhelming attendance that I was alerted to. Yep. They're talking about uh, that TV number, which blew everyone away blows me away and that's uh that's something that mls is going to have to fight against xfl relaunches next year uh they have a network tv deal i also have to mention that uh the the new lacrosse league that's going to be well funded is going to launch this summer and they have a uh network tv deal with nbc so that's uh and that that might be there may be more crossover from soccer well general soccer right i I don't know about mls mls maybe is attracting uh american football and baseball fans not lacrosse and and, uh, rugby fans i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah that was one question that came up on social social media when i posted some of those stats was that um people arguing with me saying that um that major league soccer um in terms of what type of fan they're attracting whether, whether it's more of a hardcore fan or more of a casual fan in my belief, it's more of a casual fan. It's somebody that's, I mean, maybe into American football, that's into, I mean, baseball, basketball, whatever, and also into Major League Soccer, uh, as opposed to a hardcore soccer fan who's probably more into uh, sport from South America or from or from Europe or from or wherever, um, and less into traditional American sports. Now, there's, there's crossover and there is overlap, of course, all over the place, but but that's my take just on on covering TV sports and soccer for the last uh, 13, 14 years. Um, that, that, that's what I believe. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. First up is from Andrew Jarrell Jones. And we've got a couple of comments here about the uh, TNT uh, coverage of the Champions League. Andrew says, Edgar Davids thinks that the Wembley field, which looks great, is terrible due to all the NFL games there. There hasn't been an NFL game there since the early fall. Good point there by Andrew. And some, uh, if, if that is true, some really lazy uh, journalism there by Edgar Davids. Former uh, Spurs player doesn't want to blame Spurs for having way too many matches, far more <laughs> matches than expected at Wembley. It's the Spurs conspiracy. <laughs> All right, which is true. All right, Rob says, I feel like the coverage overall with TNT has gone backwards. It reminds me of when Fox Soccer had the Premier League with awful pre- and post-game coverage. Seriously, who are they fooling, pretending Stu Holden and Steve Nash are not in the same building as the other presenters? The whole thing seems so amateur and cheap. So, um, so Rob, yeah, they, they are in separate buildings. They're, they're definitely, uh, Stu and Steve are definitely in LA and, and Kate and the rest of the crew are definitely in Atlanta. Um, but it does feel amateur, unfortunately. Um, and it does feel cheap as a result, unfortunately. Wilson says, I don't know if it's me, but it looks like Turner Sports, also known as TNT, uh, is following the boring path 
of Footsteps of Fox Sports. I see that they have Kate Abdo, who is a wonderful host, and her credits can only speak for herself. Uh, however, I found it very mind-blowing that they're not helping her out by having Carlos Bocanegra, Edgar Davids, and Mauricio Du on. Uh, by seeing her talents waste in that way, it's making the pre-game analysis tough for people like me who grew up watching Serie A and La Liga before moving to this country. Also, if this continues, it'll be tough for neutrals in the States to see and absorb uh, Craig Burley and Steve Nichols' opinions because they will find it harsh and rude to give their personal views on the matches. Please help Turner Sports because I do love where they're going with the hiring, hiring of Kate Abdo and even having Steve Nash, but they, they need better analysts. Please continue to keep up the good work on the World Soccer Talk podcast. And that's the thing, too, going back to what you said before, Kartik, about Kate, is that uh, Kate coming in, I mean, we, we, I, I've been watching her for, for years on Sky Sports. I mean, she often does a lot of uh, presenting for whether it's for FIFA or UEFA. Uh, she came in with an incredible resume, uh, CV, with experience, uh, fluent in so many different languages. And again, I, I'm, I'm not so sure it is Kate that the issue is, especially this week, it could be poor planning, poor, poor, poor uh, preparation. It could be in terms of the production crew maybe is not used to covering soccer and, and here they are, uh, you mean, being thrown in and, and you mean not helping her out, making her look bad uh, by a result of their mistakes. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in the studio, so I don't, I don't know. Whatever it is, it needs to be fixed, but also it's not a good look for Kate Abdo and the rest of the crew because it looks it makes them look bad at the end of the day. Martin Mulcahy says, uh, I can watch more Bundesliga coverage on Fox Deporters than FS1. And by looks of it, and I I don't speak Spanish, he says, uh, it's superior to what American Fox delivers in terms of game breakdown since it focuses on tactics and not just personalities in the game. Also, every week I watch Bundesliga on Fox Soccer, and I think how much Eric Winalda could add to the broadcast with his insights, personality, and first-hand experience seems a waste. Yeah, yeah. and also uh, the willingness to criticize players uh, that are American, which uh, uh, Winalda had and, and, and recognized uh, a lot of the, the tactical uh, side of the match and acclimating to playing at a high level in Europe that they just don't provide. So I agree with the Winalda comment. I mean, he, particularly on Bundesliga broadcasts, he's really missed. That was the thing, though, too, even about the TNT broadcast this week, Kartik, on Wednesday with the Spurs-Dortmund game, is that um, Christian Pulisic, to me, had a bad game. He, he had a couple of chances. Awful. Yeah, really clear-cut chances where he so, could have done better. But, T, but TNT was kind of Kate Abdo in the highlights was saying, like, oh, yeah, and look, Pulisic uh, played today. Wasn't, wasn't that great? There was, no, there was no criticism. It was more of, hey, did you notice? Ra rah, rah, USA. But just in general, you cannot criticize Pulisic. And we think MLS fans are bad. I know you've gotten it from MLS fans. Whenever I point out what – because I watch a lot more Dortmund than I think the average U.S. men's national team fan does. So I've watched a lot of Pulisic. I've watched a lot of Pulisic not playing also and seen guys like Guerrero and, uh, and, and Sancho and, and even uh, Brun Larson, who I think are more complete players, that play in the same position as him. And yesterday they didn't have Marco Royce. They have uh, uh, Paco Alcazar, which is why uh, he got thrown into the team. Uh, surprisingly, normally he plays behind him. Uh, you cannot make the criticism, Chris, of Pulisic in the U.S. Uh, sphere at all. He's untouchable. He, he's like a, a, he's been deified by American soccer fans, whether they're MLS fans or whether they're the anti-MLSers who see this guy as the poster child for a guy who went to Europe 
young age and excelled. So um, critiques yeah. of Pulisic in particular, what I'm talking about, and I think Eric Winalda, if he were on a Turner uh, or he retained him at Fox, would not be uh, – uh, uh, I'm looking for the right term uh, – a strong word that isn't too offensive, but wouldn't be, you know, dancing around these issues, I guess, uh, in the song I can put it. Right, because I'm a cheerleader. I mean, I mean, that's the thing, too. I mean, if you put Eric Winalda on the Fox set for the Bundesliga, or you put Eric Winalda on the TNT broadcast for the Champions League, uh, which they're probably not going to do anyway, because, you I mean, he's coaching for the Las Vegas uh, Lights, and, uh, you I mean, he's, he's back into the coaching game. But out of the Fox crew for the Bundesliga and TNT's crew for the Champions League, there's no coach there. There's no person that, that's coached the game. So Ronaldo, what he can add to something like this, going back to, to Martin's comment, is that uh, he can give it from a perspective of a coach and say, hey, I've had players that have shown that much brilliance in, the, in their young age, uh, but then they, they hit a wall. And the way I've worked with them in the past when they've hit that wall is to whatever he would say, I mean, whether it's kind of working more better man management or maybe it's in his head a little bit or whatever it may, may be. But that, that's the expertise that Eric provides and has provided in the past before, inconsistently, I would say. I mean, sometimes he's been great, sometimes he's been awful, depending who he's been paired with, and give, also depends on how much liberty he, ha- he has to be, um, I mean, to be, to speak openly and, and to have enough time to actually share his analysis. We're missing that on TNT, and we're missing that on Fox, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. One last point. Yesterday on British television, uh, after the Jermaine Genus talked about uh, Pulisic, an analysis he didn't get on U.S. television, about how uh, he hadn't been playing much for Dortmund. Uh, maybe that's why Sarri didn't recognize him when they signed up, that sort of thing. And now we've seen him uh, playing against the Premier League and this is what we've seen and, and kind of got into his game a little bit. Uh, I would have liked similar analysis on U.S. television, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a no-go zone. And I, I don't necessarily blame Turner because it's a no-go zone for everyone. I'm, I've just been abused at times on Twitter for, for critiquing him. And it's yeah. the kind of abuse I don't get for critiquing MLS or critiquing any other American player. Uh, and when I, other than when I praise Michael Bradley, right, I get a lot of abuse for that. So there's something odd going on with American punditry about American players. And that's why we miss Eric Winalda, among other reasons. Yeah. And one more thing to add to, to that, Kartik, is that with the TNT crew, there's no one there that would give really – critical analysis of Pulisic because you look at the crew they're, they're all too close to him I mean you got Tim yeah, Howard yeah. that's, that's on, on the same you I mean on the same squad I mean the US men's national team uh, previously you got Stu Holden who's I mean very close to the US team Maurice Edu, same thing. Carlos Bocanegra, same thing. Uh, Edgar Davids probably is the only one that would be able to give any good criticism. But it sounded like he had marbles in his mouth the entire week and was on a different planet. We probably wouldn't be able to give any critical analysis without because uh, he was just that bad. So that that's something that's missing. Is in the US is. A Winalda would be a type of person who would give that analysis, and there's a reason that Winalda is not on U.S. television anymore because that doesn't fit with with Fox. That you I mean that would fit, probably fit with NBCSN, although it's hard work, and, and I'm not sure he he would have been a, a good person for that role because it is a, a hard grind week after week after week to give that top level analysis. Maybe Kyle Martino is probably the only person I can think of that could be say, okay, yeah, yeah, he's showing promise, but here's what I'm seeing, and, and being critical in, in a way that that also isn't say so negative as say a craig burley <laughs> um right. but but getting his point across and, and and he's probably i think the only person i can think of on in u.s soccer 
uh, related broadcast media that could provide that critical analysis. And, 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 and that's sad. That's sad. Yeah, maybe Robbie Musto also. But uh, on Burley, I think he's already had the rant that I just made about Pulisic. <laughs> There's a reason Pulisic is not. I do remember it now. Now I'm realizing it's not an original thought. Uh, Burley did say on one of the ESPN episodes, you can't criticize Pulisic in this country. They come after you. And basically, he's not playing Dortmund. There are better players at Dortmund. <laughs> he's not starting for a reason. Yeah. And then. There are various conspiracy theories from U.S. fans as to why he doesn't play. Uh, you know, maybe Favre doesn't like Americans, or uh, they, they were selling him anyway. So uh, you know, they, they didn't want, they didn't want him in a shop window, right? They just wanted to discard him. It's just silly stuff. But um, yeah, I think that that's an overriding theme of everything that goes on in the media. And just to tie a bow on the show, I think Chris, one of Turner's big mistakes was going the U.S. men's national team route uh, almost exclusively for, for analysts. And that is something that I think uh, lends itself to the type of analysis and type of kind of soft touch coverage that, that we've seen on Fox in the past. Now, uh, obviously, we've all seen uh, ESPN hire former men's national team players, Hercules Gomez and Taylor Twelman, and they're both standouts. I mean, Hercules Gomez is, is the most critical, best thing among uh, American former soccer player uh, pundits, and, and Taylor Twelman's not far behind him. Uh, so maybe it is the atmosphere you're in or the fishbowl, or maybe it's a certain type of player, right? Carlos Bocanegra was a captain of the U.S. men's national team. Tim Howard is the most recognizable men's national team player in the last decade. Uh, maybe it, it's that versus... You know, Taylor Twelman, who was a, a very good MLS player, but was kind of a marginal national team figure. And Hercules Gomez, who, who, who uh, uh, had his own, you know, kind of negative experiences with Major League Soccer, went to Mexico and excelled and worked his way onto a World Cup team. So maybe it's the perspectives, but hiring former national team players uh, and, and high profile former national team players lends itself to this, this sort of thing, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, Chris. Yeah, and from what I understand from one of my sources um, is that in terms of when TNT was looking for analysts to hire for the Champions League is that uh, Carlos Bocanegra and Tim Howard uh, are represented by the same agent and they went into the agent meeting saying, okay, hey, we want to be on the TNT broadcast, but only if we come together, the three of us as a package deal, which is Maurice Edu, uh, Carlos Bocanegra and Tim Howard, we're all in it together or, or we're not. To basically give an ultimatum and say, hey, we're willing to do this, we're willing to agree to the terms, but all three of us have to be in it together and have to, have to be hired. Yeah, and I thought... And, that, and, and it's a buddy-buddy a- system. Yeah, not having a Gucci on Yewu on the show after like the third week or the fourth week, I think, is, is also an issue because he, uh, unlike the rest of the group that they've hired, I think, uh, had plied his trade in Europe longer. He was at high level clubs. He's played in European competition. Uh, I, uh, then obviously injuries got him. But I, I think he had a little bit of a different perspective, which I could see on those one or two broadcasts he was on. And we haven't seen him since, which is. Uh, kind of disturbing, but we'll see what they do. Maybe, you know, year one's a wash and they learn from it and, and they go back to the drawing board and they bring in some more uh, reasoned voices. I'm not saying they have to have British accents. I know that's what people right. yeah, to think I'm saying. They could be Americans, but they could be Hercules Gomez, who has shown, uh, just as an example, or Se- Sebastian Salazar, who's shown that they critically analyze and take this stuff and, and, and embrace whatever they're asked to cover and, and take it from a very objective perspective and, and not cloud their analysis with bias or, in, in the case of Pulisic specifically, pull punches. 
Yeah, and Gooch, when he was on um, in, I think, September, October, he was good. I thought he was did a great job, and uh, and it seemed to you that the other analysts were talking over him, not giving him much opportunity to really talk much. But when he did, what he did say was, was valuable. Um, my concern is with TNT is, yes, I'm sure they're under a contract with, with these guys, but I'm concerned that they're not thinking i mean that the end goal for them is really to go ahead and attract a casual audience as as uh, the uh, producer mentioned kartik in the in the, the meeting uh, meeting the interview that you had with him last week is that they're really going after the casual fan to try to draw draw those people in and those are I mean, Mauricio Du, Carlos Bocanegra, Tim Howard. Those are names that uh, casual fans would, would recognize and say, hey, I remember watching the World Cup. I remember those guys. Um, and it's a way for them to kind of bring in that audience. I think there's a better way. I think there's, there's a way to bring that in. And again, it doesn't have to be British voices to bring them in with other recognizable uh, names and voices and have them give better analysis. And r- rather than dumbing it down, Actually, let me take that back. They're not dominating it down. But rather than give really kind of plateau analysis, kind of like very positive. Again, we didn't hear anything negative hardly at all this week. Um, it, there's, there's people out there that they hire that would be better hires than, than these guys. And Maurice Adu has been better than I expected. Carlos Bocanegra, I'm still not... Uh, Still not won over by. I mean, it is fashion choice still. I mean, I don't know. It's just embarrassing. Uh, Tim Howard is of the three is the better one of the three, um, but he has to be partnered with s- some other good analysts to get the best out of him. And uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see and see what happens with uh, with Turner over the summer. But um, I don't know. They, they've made a lot of mistakes and they keep on making mistakes. And, and and I'm not sold that they can can correct their ways. I mean, ho- I hope that they can, but. All right, listeners. So uh, we've got we've covered a lot in this episode. Uh, a lot of uh, different uh, opinions and uh, expressed here. So, as always, if you have any feedback for us, if you want to uh, kind of rant and rave about anything we've said, if you have any questions about uh, streaming or watching television or uh, commentating or etc. Uh, etc., et uh, let us know. I mean, d- definitely reach out and t- uh, touch base with us. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on twitter at worldsoccertalk plus of course you can always post your comments on our on the mothership uh, worldsoccertalk.com and we'd love to read those out on air in closing uh, thank you for listening you can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday every episode is released on SoundCloud YouTube Stitcher iTunes TuneIn Audioboom and worldsoccertalk.com and coming soon uh, Spotify if you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. Now, Kartik, heading into another week, um, my pick of the week for this this weekend is Newport County uh, at home against your beloved Manchester City on a pitch that's probably going to look like a, like a rugby field. Actually, they play rug- rugby on this field. Uh, Rodney Parades, a small little stadium with really enthusiastic supporters from South Wales. Uh, they're not my team, but I'm going to be cheering for them. That's going to be my pick of the week for this weekend. What's your pick of the week and what should they do? Same match, uh, and I wouldn't begrudge Newport County a victory. Uh, I, I love the story, and I love the story every year when they make uh, this run. And, and uh, no offense, Chris, uh, I'm also getting into Cardiff right now and, and the special things they're doing. I know that's, uh, uh, speaking of South Wales, not so near and dear to your heart, but uh, everybody should enjoy their football this weekend.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.